0: Mario rose to fame as the star of the hit TV series The Only Way Is Essex. He also experienced his own version of lockdown when he entered the celebrity Big Brother house in 2013 and finished in fifth place. Mario is a mental health campaigner and a brand new papyrus ambassador who has shared his own journey openly in a bid to help others who may be struggling. A proud dad to Parker Jacks, Mario is determined to create a society in which suicide is talked about openly and without stigma. Life has changed so much for Mario since becoming a dad and we caught up with him on Zoom ahead of International Men's Day to talk about how being a dad is the best thing that has ever happened to him.
1: Hi Mario, thank you for talking with us today for our next episode of Papyrus Hopecast. What a strange year this has been. How has lockdown been for you specifically and also for your family?
2: To be honest, lockdown was okay. I think me and Becky, we worked so much before and we were always so busy that we got to spend time separately with Parker. Um, but we never really got to spend time as the three of us other than a Sunday. So we always felt a bit rushed. Um, so we, always, we used to always say, I wish we had more time than just the three of us. And lo and behold, um, you know, we, we, we got that time. We got a lot more of that time than we expected, but we, we actually really relished in it because I do believe that when the world goes back to normal, we will look back on that three or four months and really, really cherish it. Parker in that three or four months, he started walking. Uh, he started developing loads of words and had we not been in lockdown, me and Becky probably would well, one of us certainly would have missed it. So we both got to go home to, to, to witness that. And that's something that, you know, I think most parents want to be present to see. So with that, it was amazing. Obviously, Becky owns, uh, she owns two beauty salons. So she obviously had the stress of having to close. But obviously, as her partner, um, I just kept reiterating to her that obviously things will be okay. The government put things into place to obviously help her staff and help her business. And just to enjoy the time. Because we're never going to get a moment like that again. Other than obviously not being able to see family and stuff, that's the only thing I really struggled with. Was not being able to see my parents, um, not being able to see my siblings, uh, my nieces and nephews, and stuff like that. That was that was hard. Which is why Facetime and Zoom calls and stuff are great. Uh, it's not the same thing, you know. It's not the same as being able to hug someone and you know feel them near you in their presence. But that's the only thing that I really really struggled with um, was not being able to see family and friends. But other than that. I try to always make the most of a bit of a bad situation. That's what we did. I think we just really just focus on the fact that, hang on a minute, you know, we, we, we get to be together every day, the three of us. And, you know, this, this is what we wished for. So to make the most of it.
1: I think you, you're not wrong there. I think with lockdown, it's given us an opportunity to take a step back, to reflect on what is important.
2: Yeah, I think, I, think, and I think a lot of people needed that. I think myself included. I think you get so you know, discombobulated about what's important in life and where you need to be and all that sort of stuff. that You don't stop and think, you know what, actually where I am is fantastic. And the people that I've got in my life are fantastic. So just enjoy them. I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think it's given people a lot. I've opened people's eyes a lot more to actually what you need um, and what you want.
1: Absolutely. Thank you for that. Recently reunited with fellow cast members of Towie as part of the 10-year anniversary celebrations. How did that go?
2: <laughs> it was alright. It was actually really good. I mean it's one of those things, it's so funny. Every single time you leave, you're always like, Oh, I'll never go back. That's me, I'm done, I'm done, I'm never gonna do it again. But obviously the show was such a big part of you know who I am, whether it be, you know, good or bad experiences on the show, it is maybe the man I am today and the father I am today. So yeah, when they asked if I want to be part of it, of course, of course, I wanted to be part of it. And more importantly, I wanted Parker to be part of it. Because I think so many people who don't maybe follow me on social media, but obviously watch the show back in the day, will know the Mario I was five years ago, not the Mario that I am in the present time. So I thought it'd just be nice for people to to see the man I am now. Uh, Obviously, on the show, a lot of my uh, mental health stuff was covered and has been obviously documented um, in the media and stuff. So I think it was nice for people just maybe who would remember my struggles back then to see how far I have come now with regards to you know having having a, you know a beautiful little boy, a fiance. Uh, I've turned my life around, I've grown up as a man. So maybe to inspire as well, it was nice to go back and sort of show anyone else who's maybe going through a bit of a hard time, especially at the moment, that you know it will be okay and just to uh, keep holding on.
1: Absolutely, and how was it having your little boy in tow?
2: Oh man, it was amazing. He stole the show. He really stole the show. He was just because they always say never, never work with um, animals and kids. So yes. that, that, was, <laughs> that, that was firmly in my mind when um, when we were on the way to the set. I was thinking, what's he going to be like? Is he going to be the Parker he is around our house? Is a happy, gorgeous little boy? Is he going Are we going to see the five percent where he can be? You know, he can play up. And he was just amazing, he smiled the whole way through, he was giggling, he was really just lapping it up i don 't know where he got that from, but he enjoyed being in front of the camera. but it was nice it was nice, obviously, like Chloe and Charlie, who I filmed with i hadn 't actually seen them for a very long time, especially Chloe, so it was really, really nice to see them, uh, and even the people behind the scene, behind the like, people behind the cameras and stuff they 're people that I worked with ten years ago they 're still working on the show, so for them to, for me to see them it was really nice, it was really familiar, and really made me feel comfortable. Uh, but I guess for them as well, they saw Mario, you know, the idiot, I guess, back in the day. And obviously to see me turn up with my little boy on set as a father. Yeah, it, it, was, it must have been obviously a bit of an eye-opener for them as well.
1: Excellent. And just touching on that point, Tawi, as you said, has been a huge part of your life. And it catapulted you into this fame overnight. Tell us a bit about that. Tell us about the growing in that.
2: I mean, when I first, I remember when I first started. your meetings meetings uh, before you go on. They say to you, "This is called the talk of doom." They call it, and they tell you that it's, you know, it's going to be. Especially back in the day when Terry first started, it's going to be massive fame overnight. Your life is going to change as soon as you go on that t- TV. Your life is going to change, and you was like, "Yeah, whatever, mate. Yeah, cool, cool, whatever." Uh, as you do, especially when you're younger, you're very, um, you're very flippant and just, yeah, you, you disregard it. And it really did. It really did change overnight. And like I said, you know. It, it came with really, really good times. It came with really, really bad times. But then I think that's life anyway. I think as long as you take those experiences and use them to your advantage in your growth of life, and I think you need bad experiences, and I think you need good ones to have that balance and to, for your own personal development, it's okay. But it was, it was good. I mean, some of it was really fun. I look back now, even when I see clips now of some of the stuff I used to do in the back back then, I was literally, you, know, you, you want to go back in time and give yourself a slap. <laughs> and there's, a lot, there's a lot of just <laughs> why did you say that? There's loads of them, loads of things I just got talked into doing. I always just sit there and think, God, oh, what were you thinking at the time? Just picking up on that point,
1: you know, seeing as the bad boy of the show. As yeah. It were, how does that compare to the Mario of today?
2: I was just a young man. who was just being a young man. I was just a boy. Um, and that's the difference between who I am then and who I am now is I was a boy and I'm a man you know I had no responsibilities back then I wasn't very compassionate I wasn't very thoughtful I was just doing what most young men do in their early 20s without really thinking about the consequences on how I've made other people feel whereas now obviously I'm, I'm a man I'm very different obviously you think more about the repercussions of your actions um, you think about more about how you what you do affects other people I'm not sure that's just with age or since I've become a father I don't know but I think, yeah, I think you, you just change your outlook. I think you, you care more, not about what other people think of you, but how you make other people feel. I think that's sort of, as I've got older, I, I, I want people to meet me and feel good. Um, whereas maybe back in the day, people would have met me and felt bad. Or I'd make people feel bad. I, I You know, I, I, to be honest, I, I didn't care. Um, so I think they're the main differences. Of you. Back then was I was a boy. Uh, now I'm, I'm I'm a man.
1: Excellent. Just on that final point... Looking back, what piece of advice would you give your younger self?
2: (laughs) I think it's hard. It's so hard because even though there's advice I want to give myself, I still wouldn't have listened. I still wouldn't listen because if I changed any aspect of anything I've ever done in my life, I wouldn't be where I am now. Absolutely. Uh, I wouldn't wouldn't have my little boy. I wouldn't have my partner. I wouldn't be the man I am. I had my dad at the time advising me on stuff and... You know, he's got a wise a wise head and his shoulders, you know, he, he wrote the book in life that I'm reading and I still didn't listen to him. <laughs> I still went ahead and, you know, did, did what I did. So I think even if I, I could have given myself advice, knowing the man I was back then I wouldn't have listened. <laughs> so um yeah, I guess I probably would have told myself not to do anything different because of where I am.
0: If That's I was in that
2: place now, I guess I maybe would have told myself to be different. Um but you know, life has worked out for me in regards to you know the things that are actually that are actually important. Um, not talking about things like money and that sort of stuff. But that that to me is it's irrelevant. It doesn't actually matter. I think things like your relationships, your friends, your family, uh, my son. I think they're the things that are they're the things that you wake up for every day. Um, and yeah, I've, I've landed on my feet in regards to those things. So um, yeah, I wouldn't wouldn't change anything. Sorry for anybody I heard in the past. It's it's just yeah, it's um, it was just part of my journey.
1: Of course, of course. You've bravely talked a lot about your battle with mental health and even attempted to take your own life at one point. And at the time, fans of the show had no idea that you were struggling. That must have been so hard, putting on a brave face for the cameras, wearing that mask, as it were.
2: Yeah, it was hard. It was very, very hard. I mean, I felt with Tawi a lot of the time when I was playing up on camera that I was wearing a mask anyway, to be the bad guy, uh, as, you, as we'd say, the bad boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, do you know what? I think because I was always playing a part on the show anyway, I didn't really find going on camera and hiding my emotions and how I was feeling within that hard i think the hardest thing for me was maybe hiding those those feelings from my family and my friends um because they normally they would be the people that i felt when i come away from the show away from filming that i could be myself around and be open and honest with and, you know not be the the perceived person that i was on Taui. so obviously having like something inside of you and having that 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 anxiety and that depression and the way in which i was feeling about having to hide that from them especially back then because we didn't speak about mental health as openly as we do now. You know, you're talking seven, eight years ago. Like, it just wasn't, it wasn't spoke, especially within, within young men. So, yeah, it was, it was, yeah, that was the hardest part was, because I felt like I was almost lying to them. And I think when obviously, when everything did happen, and I'm, then obviously it came out and I told my mom, I told my sister, I told my dad, that was the hardest part because I were like, even like my friends, they were like, how could you have gone through all that and not told us? And I said to them, it was harder for me to hide it it is for you to hear it because there was nothing more I would have wanted them to turn around and tell you, but then at the same time, with your parents you feel like you're letting them down, you don't feel like your friends are going to understand. Everyone has that whole, you know, the flippant thing of, oh, you know, you're just having a bad day, uh, especially back then. That was that was the uh, you know, the outlook on mental health. See, I think hiding that on the show was hard, but it was quite doable because I always felt like I wasn't really myself on the show anyway. But away from the cameras, it was harder because I felt like I was, you know. Not not being truthful with the people that that actually love me.
1: How did that feel when you did finally open up to the people that love you?
2: It felt amazing, to be honest. Um, I went. I, I spoke to, first and foremost. I spoke to my mum
1: uh,
2: after the attempt because I felt like I needed to. My mum's not really like a mum. She was. She was more like a like a really close friend. So I knew I could tell her without any judgment. I knew that she would understand. And then I spoke to one of my sisters. And uh, She recommended um, somebody in London to me to speak to. So when I spoke to him a couple of times, and it helped. It helped put a lot of things into perspective uh, of what I was feeling and my outlook on stuff. Uh, really, really helped. But I guess when I started actually speaking more to my friends, it made me feel actually amazing to speak to my boys because it was almost like I had instigated them opening up about their problems.
1: Like you gave them permission.
2: Yeah. Like I like I opened the door for them. Yes. I showed them the way. So as soon as, obviously, I came out and it was everywhere, and then, obviously, they, we were all speaking about it, they were like, can't believe you didn't tell us. But if you had, to, I would have told you that I actually feel like this. So, therefore, that was a discussion. That's, that was a good that came of it all, was the fact that, yeah, maybe I had to go through a horrible experience. But at the same time, it made, my, made sure my, none of my friends did, because all of a sudden, we're all sitting there talking about it. And ever since then... All my boys now, if there's a problem, we all call each other. We're the first, you know, we're the first people that everyone will speak to. We'll all call each other. We're having a bad day. We'll go for a walk and we'll have a chat. So I feel like, yeah, I open the door to that with my boys.
1: How important do you think it is that young people are able to talk openly about how they're feeling?
2: I think it's massively important. I think you know there's the old saying that a problem shared is a problem halved, and i really do I really do agree with that because sometimes when things get you down in life, that other perspective helps, and even if someone can't relate to what you 're going through, they can still make you feel better. they can still say things that are going to you know make you feel good, and you'll just feel better for getting off your chest. You really will i've always said you're never going to change the the generation that's maybe above our generation. You know the, the old school, the old views on stuff. You won't change that. I think you know that's that's just the way in which they were brought up. I think my generation. I think a lot of people are openly speaking about mental health a lot more, and it is getting a much bigger scope. I think it is being spoken about more, more regularly, and more openly, without it being um, having like a tarnished thing to it, about like being like a negative thing. But I feel like now, like my job as a father would be to make sure that the next generation, the important generation, my son's generation, will will speak about mental health as much as we do having a cold or a cough. And that's why I think it's important for us now as, 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 as adults, not just talk about it within our circle, but talk to our kids about it. So they know that it's okay to speak. It's okay to talk. If you have a bad day, everybody has a bad day. Yeah, we might have a bad day at our age because you're worried about paying the bills or you're worried about adult stuff. But kids have bad days too whether it's about something sinister like homework, at homework to us now, we'd laugh, but to a kid, that's a lot. Bullying at school, not even bullying, being left out, all those sort of things or, you know, not having stuff that other kids have got. There are so many things that would play on the kid's mind. I think if you bring your kids up to understand it's okay to talk and to share those problems with you as parents, that's when you're going to change the world. Because then in, you know, in, in 10 years' time, 15 years' time, when our kids are older, You've got a whole generation of kids that understand mental health, understand that it's okay to talk, and you'll see suicides go down and depression go down because people actually realise it's not this dirty word, it's not this dirty thing to have mental health problems. It's actually very, very common, and it's actually okay to talk about it. It's not embarrassing. It's fine. It's okay.
1: Are you encouraged, then, from the last seven or eight years to see that change, that shift?
2: massively like i remember when i did my my story on, on, on what um on what had happened and it was just like this alien thing that i was speaking about like now i applaud so many people especially everybody in general who speaks about it but then when you see people in the public eye that come out and speak about it speak about their experiences and are so relatable i think it's fantastic to put yourself out there and you know say you know my instagram is a bravado behind yeah. it all, i'm still having these problems what you see on instagram isn't isn't what's going on it's that's the perfect life. The real life isn't so perfect. I have these same struggles as you do. I think it will help so, It helps so many more people. And I think, you know, just regards to people like the media and all that sort of charities that make it so much more openly spoke about should all be applauded because, yes, yeah, it's, it's so different now to what it was eight years ago.
1: Excellent. So International Men's Day this year talks about promoting a conversation about men, manhood, and masculinity. Do you feel that there is too much pressure on men to act in a certain way? And how do you think this links in with men's own mental health? I agree. I think there is this whole thing where men aren't allowed
2: to cry or we're not allowed to show weakness. We always have to be this strong, dominant force. This isn't the 1920s anymore. Um, You know, life's very different. Um, There's a lot of different pressures now than 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 there were then. Life's very, very different. Uh, life is hard and I think in my opinion as someone who's deemed masculine and manly well I like to think I am anyway people listen to this be like no you're not <laughs> but I think there's nothing more masculine than a man who can actually talk about his emotions I think it's to, to, to address that to put yourself out there, that's manly that's brave that's real bravery that's to strength yourself, that's, that's proper strength that's strength not to do you know pressing weights in the gym is, is isn't as strong as being able to you know Speak about how you 're feeling, see so, yeah, I think yeah, I think there is that still that that thing of men, but I do think I do think it's it's getting out there now. I do think men are starting to realize you know it's okay to talk it doesn't make you any any less of a man, it makes you more of a man because the thing is as well if you turn like I said earlier, if you turn around and you talk to your friends about how you're feeling you don 't know the friend that you 're talking to might have been even worse in a worse mind headspace than you were, and could be it could have been a day away from taking their own life but because you 've had the courage to talk to your friend about it. They're now going to talk to you about it, and you're going to help each other. So I think I think it's yeah I think that's great. I think that's um, what being a man is now is that's that's strength.
1: And I think to add to that, there's a lot to be said about just connecting, just talking, yeah,
2: just talking. I think a lot of people say, oh, "But I've got no one to talk to." But there's so many great charities, I've like a great charity to talk to. If you don't fit into that demographic, there's others that you can talk to. There's so many people that will help you, and that's the thing is talking is so key. Even if someone can't give you advice. Or can't relate, you'll still feel so much better if you get it off your chest.
1: Absolutely. What advice would you give to any young person who was struggling right now?
2: Exactly that. Speak, speak to anyone, speak to your parents, speak to your friends, speak to your siblings. If you haven't got that or you don't feel really that comfortable talking to those people, then reach out to, you know, one of the charities, reach out to Papyrus, like I said, if you're in that demographic, reach out to anyone because there's yeah. Talking, that's the only thing I can advise people is to talk. Just talk and save me. It really did. See, I think if everyone I've ever come across who has, you know, mental health problems, they're all say the same thing. Talk, 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 open up. Do not be scared to open up. It's the best thing that you will ever do. It will save your life. It will make you feel better. And, yeah, you will help other people as well by doing so.
1: Thank you. Okay. You are now officially an ambassador for so- papyrus. Yeah! And it's so great to welcome you into the Papyrus family. What are you hoping to achieve in your role as an ambassador?
2: Well, I want to be involved as much as I possibly can. I remember when I first had the conversation with Papyrus uh, about what their charity uh, embodied, and they told me about suicides in, in, in children as young as eight. And that, that just, that, that, there's a, there are very many, a few times in my life I'm speechless. I've always got a lot to say. Um, but I, I honestly couldn't believe that. That that to me is just it's heartbreaking. Um so I guess my involvement would be to try and help younger people as much as I can, but I guess it's also to to maybe educate the parents and make them open their eyes maybe a bit more to to mental health, because it could be that some of these children didn't feel like they could speak to their parents or they had parents that were, you know, part of a generation or part of a society that that aren't open to mental health. So I guess that's how I'd really like to be involved. You know, I'd love to bring when, when there's workshops. I really want to go to every single one um, and be involved because it is something that I'm really, really passionate about. Especially, especially in the young, in, in younger, in young kids. I think it's, it's heartbreaking.
1: From one important role to another. Tell us about being a dad to Parker Jacks. How does that change your life?
2: It's the best thing in the world. Honestly, a few years ago, if you'd have asked me what's important, it wouldn't have been the things that I'd say to you now. You know, I'd have said things like my car, what watch I have on my wrist, all that sort of stuff. And it doesn't matter. Like Parker's happiness is my happiness. And that's how I judge myself and how I'm doing as a father, is that he's smiling and he's healthy. And it's, yeah, it's just changed my outlook completely. And everything I do now is for him, you know, and it's not just things that I do with regards to work. The way in which I am is for him because everything I'm doing now, it's for him, but he's also picking up on what I'm doing. It's going to mould him into the man he becomes. So what he sees in me will reflect in him. So and the way in which I'm a father to him now is the way that he will be a father to his son or his daughter in the future. So my my role isn't just to be a good dad to him; it's also to make sure it's it's also for my grandkids. It's their it's responsibility, responsibility because obviously the way in which I raise him is the way in which he will raise them. See, so yeah, I guess that's that's my outlook: is just doing everything I can for my son. And yeah, it's just—it's just the most. It's just the most important thing. Honestly, I could—I could have a you know, even now, even though I've come out the other side of my mental health stuff, I can still have a bad day. You know, I can still have a day where I don't feel great, or I just wake up with the bat or something. Just you know, really, really, can trigger me. I try and avoid those things, but obviously, sometimes you can't. Especially in the, the, the day and age now, and his face can just can just change change that outlook. So yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just a mass, just a massive blessing, massive blessing.
1: Good, and I guess with that. Uh... You know, you talk generationally about your own grandchildren, and it's like being that blot on paper for the future.
2: Yeah, and I think like my dad's a great dad. Like, he's so he's, he's even though he like he worked a lot, he's always been such a fantastic dad. And that's why I am how I am with my son. That's why he comes first and foremost. And that's things you're carrying on that that it's like a general, you're carrying on that you know that that experience that love. So yeah, I'm I'm only passing on what my dad taught me, but then I'm making sure that Parker has that distilled in him as well for his, his for his you know kids.
1: It's nice. I mean, I, I could have said that at the beginning when you were talking about Parker, but the the beam in your face was just wonderful. It was just gushing with love. You know, it was just really gushing.
2: Yeah, he's wonderful. No, he's actually wonderful. He's um he's fantastic.
1: If you could wish anything for Parker as he grows up what would it be happiness
2: contentment and happiness I guess and from wherever that from whatever path that comes from as long as that makes him happy I couldn't care less I honestly couldn't care less there's nothing I would never push anything on him as long as he's happy
1: that's all I'd ever wish for for him excellent so what next for
2: you what next for me what next for the world (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: <a funny> <laughs> um, what's next for me do you know what just just enjoy more parker um we're meant to be getting married next year uh but obviously at the moment we don't you know we don't, we're meant to get married this year but it got pushed back to next year um and we don't know that's going to happen again next year so we've um the one reason we, we were looking forward to getting married this year is that we we're going to start to for a baby too to give Parker a little brother or a little sister.
1: Is this an an exclusive then, or what? <laughs> it is, yeah.
2: um, um, but now we're sort of thinking that we're going to wait till January, and if the world still seems, um, you know, uh, like it's um, not moving back into some sort of normality, uh, which I think is looking the case, then we will push the wedding back to two thousand and twenty-three, and we will start trying for baby two uh, in the new year, which is. Um, in my eyes, a lot more exciting than a wedding anyway. Yeah, we sort of feel like we wait till next June and it doesn't happen. We're putting our lives on hold for a day that might not happen. And more importantly, putting Parker's life on hold because obviously he's getting to that age now. He's he's ready. So yeah, that's that's more important to us.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And finally, tell us what hope means to you.
2: Hmm, that's, that's a hard question. What does hope mean to me?
1: I guess especially
2: if you're when you're in a bad place, hope is the belief that things can and will get better. Um, I mean if you look at, you know, the world now, we all sit there and we get through each day hoping and believing that one day we'll be able to eat in a restaurant with our friends and family again. Be able to hug our parents and see them in our houses. I guess hope's just the thing that sometimes on a dark day gets you through. Hope's the thing that can, you know, gets you from day to day especially in about in about in, you know the world's crazy it is now or when times aren't things aren't going your way hopes what you know keeps you going keeps your heart beating gets you up in the morning and you know makes you crack on
1: any final words
2: um no not really um probably my, my most open chats i've ever had um <laughs> but yeah um any anyway, open words i guess more for the mental health stuff guys if if you're listening to this and you've um, you've followed my journey uh, or if my journey you listen to this first time and you've heard it and you feel inspired I hope so like I said the most important thing advice I'll ever give you in my last word to be talk to people because it will save your life
1: Mario thank you very much my pleasure
0: Thank you for listening and for your part in making suicide part of the conversation. Sometimes listening to these stories can be hard. If you are a young person struggling with thoughts of suicide or if you are worried about a young person, you can contact Hopeline UK on 0800 068 4141 via text on 07860 039 967 or via email on pat at papyrus hyphen